Hey friends, welcome back to the show. Today in studio, I had Joe and Serenity Carr, the founders of Serenity Kids Foods. Serenity Kids Foods is essentially an answer to baby food, which is trash. And we explain exactly why. They're a paleo-inspired, animal-based aligned kid food. They're working on formulas, they're working on pouches. They have them, they have puffs. They're really knowledgeable, really clued up about all this stuff and really inspiring. So let's get into the show. Joe, Serenity, welcome to the show. Tell me right off the bat, just how bad is baby food in the baby food industry? It's pretty bad. You know, before us, it was all essentially sugar and, and grains, you know, pro highly processed fruit purees and grain-based snacks, really low nutrition, really high in inflammation. Uh, the average baby food pouch before us had an average of nine grams of sugar per mm -hmm. pouch, uh, which is like 90 grams of sugar for, for you or me in, in, a, mm. in a single meal. Less than 4% had any amount of fat, even though babies need 30 grams of fat a day, huge amount of fat they need, and almost no meat. Mm. I actually said it wrong. 4% had meat. None of it was well-sourced, mm. almost none in distribution. So it was all fruits and less than 1% had fat. So mm. almost no fat, even though babies need 30 grams of fat a day. Let's unpack that a little bit because you said a few key words that the, I guess the, the dose makes the poison is a good way to frame it, right? Because fruit, mm -hmm. pretty solid food, we're told by the experts yep. that, that grains are a healthy source of food and, and meat, actually, we should be doing less of it, no? So you guys are taking a pretty radical stance on this. Yeah, I mean, uh, the science is clear. The USDA has released guidelines for babies that agree with us. So everything from the most conservative nutritionists in the USDA to uh, the most progressive folks like you guys all agree that meat and fat are essential first foods for babies, that sugar is inflammatory and, and not really useful, should be avoided, uh, particularly um, highly processed sugars. And mm -hmm. though fruit by itself isn't a, a bad food by itself, it's a little imbalanced if you don't have some fat and protein with mm. it, but it, it's got a lot of fiber. But when you you know, puree it and take off the skin and boil it for hours and put it in a pouch that sits on the shelf, you know, it's basically jam. Mm. So you just said that protein and even the experts now agree that meat and protein is a really important first food for babies. So why do you think in kind of the cultural zeitgeist, we've got this, uh, you know, mythology, I guess you'd call it, that vegetables should be the thing that we're trying to get our kids to eat the most of, like it's the best thing to get your kids on first? It's a really, it's a really good question. Uh, you know, obviously there's been this demonization of meat in the vegan vegetarian movements. There was a lot of misconceptions about its impact on the planet, its impact on health, driven by the sugar and processed food industry. Mm -hmm. Post-World War II, they reprocessed all this machinery used for, for war making to make food and created what we now know as big food, this industrialization of the food system. It's much easier to do that with, you know, chemically derived foods from plants than from animals. Raising animals is, you know, almost has to be done in a more natural way. You can't grow them in a lab. And so the industrialization of our food supply made, made it convenient to demonize meat and say you should be eating more of these very cheap for us to produce and very easy for us to manipulate genetically and scientifically. Uh, that these are somehow more healthy for you. For the medical industry, it looked more like a drug. Mm. They're like, oh, this is like a drug. We're turning food into drugs. And whole food ingredients like meat and vegetables and bone broth and liver and egg yolk, they can't control them in the same way that they can control a drug. And so the medical institution and, and big food really collaborated here uh, to 
create all this mythology. I also think that the ranching industry and and hus- animal husbandry got out of hand. Mm-hmm. It it is still out of hand in most of the country, but in terms of how you're raising animals, raising them inside in a bunch of pens, not cool, right? Everyone knows that. It's I mean, you could take a kid into a CAFO and they would say this is not okay. So I think that that didn't help mm-hmm. the meat cause. Um, but I'm really proud that we support regenerative agriculture, where we're raising animals how they should be raised, how nature intends for them to live and be raised. And that makes a big difference. It makes a massive difference, not just for the nutritional quality of the product, right, but for the health of our soils and our future and the environmental impact. So I couldn't agree more. So now take us back a little bit. How did you come to stumble on this and these beautiful products you've got? Where's the story? Where does it originate? How did you come to become Serenity Kids Foods? Well, I got my first ear infection when I was two weeks old. My mom had been a vegetarian when she was pregnant with me. I'm probably, you know, not not eating a lot of B vitamins and all these kinds of things. So developmentally, I was a little small. I was a sickly child. I had many, many rounds of antibiotics over Mm -hmm. the first few years of my life, which now we know does a number on your gut. So I had stomach problems starting at a young age. And then when I was a teenager, I got my first car and I was really excited that I could go to Walgreens and buy my own Tums, Mm. (laughs) which is really sad for a 16 year old. Um, I struggled with stomach problems the rest of my like twenties. And then I got put on a prescription stomach medicine every day for the rest of my life when I was 33. And I was like, this is not cool. I'm not doing this. I don't know what else to do because I can't eat without serious pain. So I called my dad and he's like, you know, you should read that book I gave you last year, the one on the paleo diet. Mm. I'm like, He gives me dumb dad books all the time. I didn't know he'd given me that. So I went to my bookshelf and I dug it out. It was Mark Sisson's Primal Blueprint. And then he mailed me Rob Wolf's The Paleo Solution. And I just read the intro and I had been an anthropology major for a while. And it just made perfect sense. Mm -hmm. So I changed my diet right away and things have, I've never been better. Amazing. Amazing. I'm autistic. I was not diagnosed as a child. So had a lot of social and uh, physical challenges, both. Um, they uh, just this really big energy. I was just really larger than life. They called me ADHD. It wasn't really accurate. Those drugs didn't help. Uh, so I think my official diagnosis was obnoxious. I was just oh, obnoxious. Wow. <laughs> and in uh, I had sort of a lot of difficult time with friends. And then in middle school, I was annoying this kind of popular girl one day. And she turned around and said, you know what? I'm going to teach you how to be cool. And I said, well, I, I will do whatever you say. Mm. <laughs> I'm so ready to be cool. Like, tell me. And I, and it worked. I took her advice and, and her and her friends kind of took me under their wing and I became part of this group of counterculture cool kids. And I learned the most important lesson of my life, which was that I could take feedback and become better. I wasn't stuck being any certain mm-hmm. way. So at age 12 was set on a personal growth track that really has never stopped. So I'm always looking for ways I can be better. And it's really how I learned to integrate autism got that diagnosis in college and helped learn more about it then. And a big part of autism is sensitivity to heavy metals, to chemicals, to inflammation and to gut health. So there's this big relationship between gut health and and autism. So I'd been learning about that and been experimenting with diet. And then I met Serenity and fell in love with her and the paleo diet. She introduced me to paleo and I was like, oh, this makes a lot of sense to just go back to the basics. I've always been an optimizer. I want to be 
my highest potential. So why eat foods that are a waste in my body and um, at worst a waste, at best at worst create inflammation. Mm. And so uh, switched to paleo and had you know enormous benefits from that. Uh, learned about acupuncture and and uh, heavy metal testing. It was really high heavy metal toxics and ninety percent lead. 99% wow. lead toxic. So I had to do a bunch of chelation and things like that, but it really helped integrate autism with diet. I've always wanted to have kids. And so I actually drew pictures of my future kids when I was five hmm. and had always been uh, looking for a, a baby mama to, <laughs> to have kids with. And certainly seemed like pretty, pretty, pretty good catch. So as we got serious and started family planning, we were like, you know, let's have a baby. Yeah. And we were at actually a paleo conference back in 2016 and I started feeling fuzzy and maternal and I'm mm -hmm. like, let's go find the baby stuff, Joe. And there was nothing. Yeah. And I went up to the CEO of the conference and I'm like, Hey, Michelle, where's the baby stuff? And she said, I wonder that every year, when is the baby stuff going to show up? And I thought, Oh, I guess we'll just have to make our own baby food someday. But Joe had another idea. We, we were in entrepreneurial mode. She had been doing a paleo coaching business that was very hard getting people to pay her and lonely to teach them One to person. eat business. Yeah. I'd, I'd created some different youth programs. I've been really passionate about changing the world for kids. So I'd worked in nonprofits and it started a youth nonprofit and also very, very tough business model, very small groups of kids at the time, very hard to, nobody values that in society. So it's hard to, to make money doing that. So had had a lot of, made a lot of mistakes and had read Tim Ferriss's four hour work week. Mm -hmm. like, There's got to be a better way to do mm -hmm. this. And he creates this model for how to look for a product, which had never occurred to me. I've always, we've both been stuck in services. And this is, you know, how you create a product to make more money, be, have more time and to have a bigger impact on the world. So I was kind of looking for this niche, niche product community and realized that the lack of paleo baby food was a very big opportunity. And the more we learned about it, discovered it was much bigger than paleo. Mm -hmm. You know, the baby food aisle was awful. Mm -hmm. And I had had 12 years in manufacturing for Fortune 500 companies. Joe had an entrepreneurial mindset and was good at selling. I was good at making. And so we started making the first recipes in our kitchen and driving them around town to people we knew who had kids and they're filling out our surveys. Um, conveniently, a lot of my health mentors had had children in the past mm -hmm. couple years before that. So they were all blogging about what they were feeding their kids. And every single one of them was making a compromise for convenience sake. And I thought, if these are my health mentors, yeah, like right. the, the creme de la creme, how do, you know, then everyone else I know is making compromises for convenience and how can we support them better? Yeah, that, that, that's such a fascin fascinating, perfect storm of all of these things coming together at the right time. And I pulled a few statistics before we got online today. Um, more than 54% of American children are suffering at least one or more chronic issue. Mm -hmm. One in six American children have some kind of developmental mm -hmm. uh, disability. One in 12 have a asthma. One in 13 have at least one food allergy. One in 10 with ADHD. And autoimmune conditions in kids has doubled from 2010 to 2020. Yeah. How early does this start? You have in this vision of food and how it impacted your health like how much of this starts you know conception like you said with your mother being the vegetarian but then as soon as we're out and we're getting fed this junky food versus what could potentially we do if we got this right from the get-go the biggest issue is taste buds mm -hmm. so children don't even have taste buds until they're about six months old so right when those taste buds start to form, you're forming their picture of what tastes okay for the rest of their mm -hmm. lives. So during that flavor window, 
you really want to be introducing a wide variety of different flavors, tastes, textures, herbs, and spices. Um, and that's what was missing from the aisle. And that's what was complete sugar. Mm-hmm. It was all sugar. So I was raised on a lot of really you know, sugary, junky foods. And I have a big sweet tooth. And I have to combat that every day. Every single day. Yeah. For the rest of my life. Yeah, we realize those sugary fruit purees are essentially creating sugar addicts Mm -hmm. at birth. Wow. Right. I mean, we've got formulas that are packed full of corn syrup, followed by sugary baby foods into every kid's food snack is either an empty carb or sugar. There's almost no kids' foods that have good meat and veggies that taste savory, that introduce these flavors. So it's hard for kids, but it's really hard for parents. I mean, what do they give their Mm -hmm. kids that they literally have to make every scrap of food? It's just just in today's world is impractical. Mm. And it leads to compromise after compromise. And then, you know, now the kid's stuck on sugar and that's a constant battle of how do I get now the healthy food is the exception rather than the rule. And that's really what we want to change. We want to make junk food be the occasional thing your kid enjoys, but their standard meals and food are nutrient dense. I love it. And it's based on, I saw something you did that was very clever on your blog where you said you you basically made the second healthiest baby food in the world Mm -hmm. because you're building it off something else. Mm -hmm. Tell me what that thing is. Yeah, it was uh, my summer of nerddom, 2016. I I read everything I could about infant nutrition because I wasn't a mom yet. And I realized my big aha moment was, oh, this isn't going to be as hard as I thought. This is because nature already has a perfect baby food that we can just model ours after, and that's breast milk, mm-hmm. right? So I dragged Joe to the milk bank in Austin, plug for moms, don't throw your stashes away, mm-hmm. you can help keep preemies alive. Um, but I started just really delving into breast milk research and realized that the fat content was just enormous. There's so much fat. And then we did a study pulling all the baby organic baby food pouch data into this giant, enormous spreadsheet with all the macro, micronutrients and everything. And when I realized the huge gap and discrepancy between what babies really needed and what babies were going to get if their parents went to the baby food aisle and Mm. thought that's what they should feed them, then I got mad. I got really mad because those babies don't get to choose what they eat. Their parents do. And if their parents hadn't been sick like me and Joe, hadn't had the courage to step outside the box and go against what our doctors were recommending for us, haven't, hadn't had the courage to, you know, try food, hadn't had the dad who had the book, right? Um, then they would be going to the aisle and thinking, oh, I'm sure big food cares all about the health of my baby. And mm-hmm. the things that are on the baby food aisle are exactly what my baby needs, mm-hmm. which is completely not the case. Mm-hmm. The, I think the key things about breast milk are it's uh, the macronutrients are about half fat and half carbs. Mm-hmm. So it's fairly high carb. It's lactose. So very digestible carb form for a baby. Um, a, a huge amount of fat. The other half's about fat. There's some protein in there too. So it's a protein fat carb mixture. And I think newsflash, it's an animal product. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I like to call it a free range animal product, hopefully. It's definitely raw and unpasteurized. Yes, right. Right, raw and pasteurized, free range animal product. And so for, for us, for, we're going to make a baby food that mimics breast milk. Mm. What would that look like, right? We uh, and of course it's nowhere near as good as breast milk. Breast milk is magic, yeah. but if we were going to have food to supplement breast milk, what would that be? And that was, you know, we wanted this fat to carb ratio mm-hmm. very clear that that should be the same amount of fat to carb, so that we're not overly carb heavy like the rest of the aisle. Um, and then then adding in the the protein in there via 
really well-sourced animal products. So we've got not just well-sourced, like the best we can find. That's right. Mm -hmm. The best of the best, which was pasture raised, free, you know, uh, regeneratively farmed, wild caught salmon, right? The best, the best, the best oil. You know, we we supplement fat with olive oil or avocado oil. We use as as fatty of meat as possible to start with. So we have a lot of meat saturated fats and then if we need to boost the fat we use the healthy oils and then the carbs from vegetables are far superior to the carbs from fruit yeah yeah that's really cool that you've basically reverse engineered the perfect product into getting it as close to through your products but you mentioned that you were surprised to see how much fat it was and we just talked about the importance of these healthy fats Mm -hmm. talk to me about this very interesting thing that's happening and how they're kind of constructing your more regular formulas if you will based on the linoleic acid content which is a fat um, we'd we'd call them in our normal diet of like seed oils so these seed oils are in infant formulas and stuff too right and isn't that based on the kind of averages of what's in a mother's breast tissue and is that that's exactly what okay. I, it's actually not even what's in her tissue it's what she eats herself huh so th- we're building out you know the the formula recipe that's used most widely in the country today was made in the 1960s and it was based on what women at the time were eating so that is not a gold standard in my no. opinion that's not optimal in my opinion so what we did when we created our formula is we looked at worldwide breast milk studies. Not all of them disclosed the diets of the moms. Some did. We could make inferences around that based on location and time. But really what we did was the thing I'm most proud of for our our toddler formula product is the fats. Mm -hmm. We use eight different sources. We use a wide variety, like the fatty acid ratios are really, really important. And it makes sense why the peop, you know big formula is doing what they're doing, but it's just based on really faulty old science and also an extreme lack of creativity on the mm. sourcing department. There are a ton of regulations also, which is why we're a toddler formula, not an infant formula. That's a long, hairy governmental red tape yeah. kind of process that we just aren't going to do at least in that anytime soon Mm -hmm. um so they're they have a lot of constraints as well but it's just from a really misguided nutrition Mm -hmm. and they just don't get it yet yet Yet. i like that yet we're going to change that that's what we're doing here right yeah So now talk to me about what's actually in the product. You've mentioned some of the key things, the best sources of meat, these fats, like take me through one of the pouches, take me through the actual production and the sourcing, the ratios, like what kind of ingredients are we actually talking about in real food here? Yeah, so I'm holding one of our best sellers. It was our first product we ever launched the day our daughter was born, actually, oh, cool. which was bonkers. That's cool. um, this is our grass-fed beef with kale and sweet potato. It's a three and a half ounce puree pouch. And... We make up, first we start with the nutrition facts panel. We look at the total fat we're going for, the protein and the carbs we're going for, for, and the total calorie content. And then we back into that. We always use the best protein source we can find, combined with vegetables. We have considered trying to make an all meat pouch, but the processing won't work Mm -hmm. the way that it's pressure cooked. The proteins would bind themselves back together and they Mm. would no longer be a puree. So we have to use some vegetables in there. So we chose organic sweet potato for this one. It really is nice with the beef itself. Um, And then we add some kale in there. It's a small percent of kale, but it really adds some of those compounds for Mm -hmm. detoxification and um, some extra vitamins. Mm Mm-hmm. 
So the viscosity is important. You know, we still have to make it the right texture. Um, so this is kind of the bare bones formula that we can apply those same ratios to the rest of our products as well. That's like the most simple pouch. We have more elaborate ones. We have a line of bone broth pouches with herbs and spices. So it's kind of that basis of meat and, and veggies and, and healthy oils, plus bone broth, plus some herbs to and spices to introduce other flavors. Because uh, as Serenity said, it's very important to introduce those different kinds of spices and flavors as early as possible. And, you know, we have the most widest variety of, of, of ingredient options on the aisle. We have over 90 different individual ingredients that you can introduce to your kid just whole, with our Whole product. food ingredients. They're yeah. all whole food ingredients versus the rest of the aisle. You know, if you look at some various combinations of apple and mango. Yeah, right. And these actually taste great. I know we were talking off air that you've got another like subset, a small market of adults that are using these, whether they're athletes or ultra marathoners and stuff, because they taste good because mm -hmm. shocker, it's real food. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm also fascinated by obviously what's in the product is super high quality, but what constitutes its quality is also what's not in it. Like some of these other funky things that are found in more of the conventional commercial. So talk to me about some of the other maybe uh, shocking contaminants that can be found in regular baby food, regular baby formulas. Right after Della was born, so right after we launched, uh, we had a news cycle of heavy metals in baby food. And I was like, wait, what? I, had, I hadn't ever heard of this. And I was shocked, disappointed, I mean, mostly furious mm -hmm. that our government doesn't care about what goes into baby food products. And I was like, dang, do we have that in ours? How do we figure this out? So we made a key hire very early to hire a director of quality to build our own heavy metals program because the FDA wasn't going to put any limits on us. And we wanted to have the best we could get, mostly because, I mean, yes, we're in it for the babies, but we are feeding this to our own kid. Yeah. You know, I was sure we were going to make our own baby food because it's a little bit better to be fresher, right? But I made it exactly zero times. So I'm like, all right, if I'm feeding my kid this stuff, I need to figure out what's, how do, how do we keep all this garbage plasticizers and pesticides, all these contaminants out? So we built our own heavy metals program that was kind of a combination of some California laws, European laws, and we're really proud of it. We've been, I mean, that was four years ago, and um, we're on the cutting edge of the heavy metals regulation program. We've shown our heavy metals test results to some key I mean, some key people in the industry and their jaws are on the floor. Mm -hmm. They're like, wait a second. We have baby food companies all over the place telling us they can't do this. And here you are doing it. And I see, you know, it's the program we built out, the relationships we have with our farmers, the understanding we have of the soil and how we, where we get um, better quality, mm -hmm. free from heavy metals kinds of vegetables, which there's a lot more work to do in that space, which we're tackling this year and, and beyond. Um, but it has to do with where it comes from. Mm -hmm. It has to do with the land again, right? And making sure that it, like if we have this sensitive population, why not give them the best of what we have, right? Let's let's figure out how to get the best for at least, at least the, the smallest, most vulnerable people we have. Yeah. Yeah, we say every bite counts is our motto. And so if every bite's gonna count, how do you get the most nutrition and the least toxicity 
per bite. So we, you know, our products are tested for over 200 different environmental contaminants wow. by the Clean Label Project. Mm -hmm. and they verify that our products are all best in class. And then we, and just ingredient wise, you know, obviously no added sugars, mm -hmm. no industrial seed oils. We don't ever use grains. Uh, just we consider them a filler, just a kind of a low nutrition high inflammation filler that's just not, if you're going to feed a baby, it's not the most nutrition per bite. Mm. Um, and then we we generally stay away from most allergens. A lot of the allergens are are, are a grain or a legume anyway, um, things like gluten. Uh, we have a wild-caught salmon product, which is technically an allergen for fish, but it's very, very clear. We use a little bit of coconut in our, our dairy-free smoothies. Uh, but otherwise, we're pretty much free from, from allergens and other high inflammation ingredients. It's amazing. It's really cool. How has this been received? How has it gone from conception to launching that first product the day your daughter was born to where we're currently at? Is there a, a growing demand for this? Are parents empowering themselves with this information and taking action? How are you seeing it from the back end? It was the, the our first tries at selling this product that was double the price ah. were hard. Yeah, It was hard to get it into that first retailer, but we... Man, Pro Providence was on our side. The universe opened up a door when Della was three or four months old. Joe, you tell the story. Well, we we launched online because we knew that the 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 health obsessed people like us, the paleo community, other people who had health issues, they were already looking for this, and we were we were filling that that niche. So, and they were an online community. Mm -hmm. We were bought. We already back then. We a lot of us bought food online. It was mm -hmm. before the COVID online e-com boom, but we, you know, it was, it was normal to buy online. So we still have a very strong online business and it, and it was growing very fast online. And, uh, we, you know, a few months after launch, a uh, whole foods buyer called my cell phone and, and we'd never met the guy. We'd never been able to get a whole foods no. meeting, even though we lived down the street from the office, we'd brought them lots of samples and we'd knocked on their door a lot. And he finally called me. I thought it was a prank call. I'm like, what do you mean you're the whole, whole foods baby buyer? What? <laughs> Nick, is that you like, <laughs> prank calling me? And he's like, no, I have, we have a sort of an urgent situation. I have these products that I can't, that we're supposed to launch that aren't going to launch. And I have this space that needs to launch in February. I need five spots in all stores globally. Can you, can wow. you, can you, can you do that? Can we, your products are the best I've seen. I want to, I want to launch them. And we were like, I don't know how we're going to do that. Yeah, <laughs> yes, right. we'll do it. We'll do it. We'll that, say yes that, and figure it out. That attitude of we're, we can do it, you know? And so we we figured it out. We we fast-tracked some new 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 uh, products and got them launched. This was November, and by February, we're launching in all stores. And really out the gate, we're top sellers. I mean, yeah. We doubled the Amazing. size of the baby food aisle at Whole Foods. Like, we brought people back to the aisle that were no longer shopping there. We, You know, the, the, the higher price point makes it easier for us to to you know, generate more revenue per spot for them. So we're we're highly productive in any store we're in, and now we're the fastest selling baby food in Target. We're fastest selling in Kroger. We're the fastest selling in all of the conventional and natural channels. Wow. Uh, you know, so the regenerative bison baby food is a top seller at Walmart. That just so blows cool. my mind. <laughs> It's mind blowing. And we, we did our first tests in the conventional markets two years ago. And right away, like Joe said, they started performing well. And I think that we have a couple different kinds of consumers, right? We have kind of health trendy, maybe coastal consumers who are looking for cleaner meats, better organic vegetables, things like that. And then the kind of center of the country, you're looking, people are just looking for 
meat and things that they eat. Mm-hmm. You know, how can I feed my kid mm-hmm. how I eat? Because there was no chicken on the aisle before us mm-hmm. at Walmart. There was no chicken, you know. So I, Gerber jars was the mystery meat. And the yeah. Gerber well, jars. cat food. Yeah, it looked mm. like it was pretty yeah. good. So there wasn't none, but it was, like I said, less than 4% and almost no distribution. And they were pretty gross. Does this give you hope if if this has been received so well and and parents are choosing to feed the kids this stuff from the off essentially that it's setting themselves up for a much healthier future? What is your big why with this? Like obviously we want to, you know, stand up against big food, big baby food and big food in general. But does this give you hope? Does this give you passion and and motivation to just keep going to new heights? What's what's coming? What's next? How do you keep spreading this message? Well, um, this our generation of kids is the first one with a life expectancy shorter than ours. Yeah, and so that's what we're here to to battle. Like it is a war, a full on war, and it's working. I mean, it just it gives me tingles to think that every day I go into a job that I love with a team of people who all care, every single one of them, from our employees to our suppliers to our co-mans, like they're all enrolled in our mission. Maybe not quite as much as me and Joe, mm-hmm. but you know, they're all on board and they support us. And I do, it does give me hope that those statistics you read, that we have a chance of fighting those and reducing those and that it's going to start happening. Yeah, we, we, we want to lead a, a revolution to overhaul what is seen as nutritious for kids, that we wanted to make it easy for parents to feed their kids the healthiest foods. And we, and we, I mean, most parents really want to feed their kids yeah, the right. healthiest foods. They do. They just, it's just so big food has made it so hard. They market these, you know, awful foods to kids. They don't offer any convenient package options that are actually taste good that are nutri- nutritious there's all this misinformation about what is nutritious are mm-hmm. seed oils is meat bad is fruit sugar okay all these different questions so we you know we feel like the growth of our brand with babies really shows that parents are waking up and that there's a huge demand for this and understanding we hope that they also start educating themselves when you're having a kid you know, you opens your mind to all these new things. You want maybe better for your kid than what you do for yourself. And mm. so we feel like it's a great opportunity to, for them to learn about regenerative agriculture, for them to learn about the dangers of seed oils, for them to learn about macro balance and how important it is to have fat and protein if you're going to have carbs and um, thinking about taste and, and savory versus sweet and all these opportunities we feel that we have to educate parents and start their kids off on the right foot. And, you know, our daughter's five now and, you know, her, some of her favorite foods are like green olives mm-hmm. and wild caught salmon. She loves, she'll, she'll tell you salmon's better than chocolate. Wow. Look at that. Right. You know, she loves steak. She drank, you know, liver puree, pureed liver with bone broth, uh, a bunch as a, as a baby. And so still loves bone broth. She'll drink as much bone broth as we, as we'll let her drink. Amazing. And so, you know, I feel like that that's the kind of, that's the kind of kids that we have the chance to raise. And not that she never has treats, that she never has junk food. Of course, she will love sugar like the rest, next kid. <laughs> it's addictive. You know, it's not like mm-hmm. it kept her from wanting treats or wanting to eat the birthday cake at the party, you know, but it's like, if she has a little birthday cake at the party, we have her eat a hot dog first, force of nature, regenerative people, hot go. dogs, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, have her eat one of those to, to balance the, the carbs. And then that's just the exception. It's like yeah. her body can process that out, but the, but her foods day in and day out 
both both homemade and processed for us are always you know a focus on nutrient density and balance mm -hmm. nutrient density we obviously a big fan of organ meats here how, how yeah. do you factor that into how you're raising your toddler and how this is kind of the the meat pill that gets people into that kind of funnel mm -hmm. yeah we we actually are my favorite i always plugging noble Noble Origins protein powder. Yeah, you should have them on the show there in Austin. We have, we've had them on. You had them on. That's our meat mafia, no, bros. Meat mafia. Yeah. That's right. So we love that. This she loves that chocolate protein powder. I put it in everything. I put it in her cereal milk. I put it in her pancakes. We make muffins with it. Uh, hot know, chocolate. Put it in hot chocolate, and so that's got the organ meat. It's mm -hmm. got the colostrum. It's got the the beef powder. Uh, it's no sugar, but tastes good. It's got that really rich cacao, which adds that flavor and also some good fiber. And, you know, so she, she loves that stuff. And I think that's a good hack of a, a way to, to fit that in. We also have that recipe for the liver bone broth uh, mm -hmm. uh, on our website that is great for babies. You know, they'll, they'll drink it. You can drink it out of a bottle. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like a, a supplement to, to breast milk or formula. And I think one of the things that the statistics didn't show but that is underlying all of them is that we have a malnutrition problem mm -hmm. we are the wealthiest country in the world and are malnourished yeah so how do we figure out how to increase those micronutrients right which is what organ meats are doing someday we would love to put organs in our products yeah it is the most most requested product for us cool. is people asking for organ meats like we, we every day people are writing us saying can you get organ meats in there so you know our buyer our the retail space is not quite ready for it right you know but but it, it will happen like we and then you know in the next several years we will see some kind of organ meat on the aisle and then our 10-year vision is that that would be normal that organ meats would be and everything because the thing is they used to be on the aisle yeah, yeah right right they're the most nutrient-dense options so there used to be liver and onions on the aisle lots of bone broths on the aisle all kinds of stuff in the 40s and 50s and then we strayed away from the light and we are bringing that back yeah and that that's interesting the 40s 50s seems to be that threshold where if you just look at the health statistics for adults you see this hockey stick of everything yeah. the obesity the chronic diseases which is interesting because you see that hockey stick kick in for kids around like the 80s and that's the the, the kids of those people mm -hmm. so they start to get sicker and sick people have sicker kids and i think um you know this nutrient density piece is a big part of it and you, you said something a few minutes ago joe about these parents now wanting to give the kids better than they had and i've actually heard you talk i believe on a previous podcast about even having vegan parents choose to feed their kids serenity baby foods because they acknowledge that right what, how, how has that been received and what's that like with working with some vegans and hearing those stories that's pretty yeah. cool so i'm a big environmentalist i used to sit in trees and lock myself to bulldozers and at that time in college veganism was the way if you were pro-environment pro-animal rights, you mm. had to be vegan. So I was vegan vegetarian for about four years. Um, worst health years of my life. I mean, it was just, uh, I'm an O negative blood type. I'm autistic. I mean, there's a lot of reasons that that diet was awful for me. And so it was very, I had a lot of emotional challenges. So, um, didn't work for me. Uh, and then, so I was really, uh, you know, so I learned a lot about that vegan mindset, that, uh, that mythology. And of course the regenerative agriculture movement solves that 
for anybody who has that environmental or animal rights perspective, even just pasture raised. I mean, if it's animals and, you know, um, if, if animals what you're going for, then just supporting local farmers is, is pretty easy to do. And boycotting the entire industry actually hurts those farmers more, mm. you know, like all of the, if all the health conscious people boycott all meat, who's going to buy the regenerative and local meats, Right. you know, like that's the audience we need. So there's a, a big problem with that. There's a lot of, um, self-hatred. It's a lot of guilt, what, you know, Western guilt, uh, that we have around how how much privileged we are, we are mm-hmm. and how impact how impact our culture has on the world and there's this like kind of uh, Judeo Christian I need to self deprecate mm-hmm. to make up for I need to atone by punishing myself with withholding this Puritan of like a, it, the sins of the body right mm-hmm. whatever my body wants must be bad. Uh, this disconnection from the body that's in some spiritual circles. And so there's a lot of that that, that I had to overcome and, and that we're combating all the time. Uh, but there's a, but there's huge increased awareness and in, in how important meat is for the body, that it is a, an important health food. There's a huge awareness on, on how regenerative ag is not only not contributing to the climate change, but is re- reversing it is actually the solution. Supporting these farmers is the key. Uh, so that so that's that's continuing to, to raise. So there's still some people who, for whatever reason, choose to not eat meat. I would hope that if they're educated, that they could see that mm. their baby, at the very least, really, really needs it. That breast milk is animal products. So we do have uh, vegan, vegetarian parents that say we understand our baby needs this, and we want to let them choose when they're old enough to choose how they eat to make this choice for themselves. And for now, we're going to give them all the different foods and that our products are the solution because they, A, they don't have to cook and make the meat because it's weird for them maybe. Yeah, right. And then also it's the best sourcing. So like we can feel good that this meat follows our our ethical standards. Um, and then some people who've, who've made that switch, like me, who choose to transition to animal products, I'll also like to use our products mm-hmm. because it's pureed, so it's easier to digest. It's, they don't have to chew it, so they kind of get, they can uh, start yeah. to adapt their body to the meat without having to like cook it and chew it. And so we've had a variety of vegans, vegetarians tell us that our products were their gateway, their gateway, their transition. Yeah, their recovery. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. And cause I mean, you, you hit a few really good points there and, you know, sometimes in, in, in the, you know, the, the, the shouting across the aisles with the carnivores versus the vegans, you'll hear pretty extreme statements like, you know, raising your kid vegan is child abuse. It's akin to that. And I know that's a very controversial statement. I'm not necessarily saying that as a truth, but you're pointing to some hard truths here that there are key things here that children do need to thrive. Um, we've talked about protein. We've talked about animal products, but we've also got to square this circle that, you know, the experts, at least for adults are saying some of these things aren't good for us, the saturated fat and things like that. What are the actual key minerals, the nutritions, the micronutrients that might be missing in a vegan raised child? What are they actually missing out on? Well, when you think about iron, that's Mm -hmm. a big one. Heme iron from beef and bison and other meats is very easy to digest and absorb. When you think about zinc, that's another big mineral. Um, gosh, I mean, there there's a lot that I can't even think about. But B vitamins, I think I already said that. I really worry about fats. I mean, I know that's mm-hmm. a fats is huge, but it's such limited fat choices on a vegan diet. Yeah, I mean, it's just so few, especially those really important saturated fats and fat soluble vitamins. I mean, it's like not yeah. only do they need the fat, they need the fat to digest and absorb the rest of their vitamin intake. 
That's yeah. why we add fat to our vegetable pouches that mm -hmm. are like don't have any meat. We add that fat so that those vitamins can be absorbed. Yeah. And fat's the building block of the brain. It's the building block of the spine, you know, and their, their brains and spines are doubling in those early years of life. And so to, to, to deny them a really wide variety of fat sources, I think is a, when we first started the company, we wanted to be the fat baby food. Mm -hmm. and, and we were like, I don't think the world's ready for this mm -hmm. yet. Let's be the protein baby food for now. Right. But now we actually call out the fat on the front of our pouches. Excellent. And it is a comment that we receive from customers as people start really shedding the low fat movement and understanding that not our, all fats are created equal Bingo. and that there are healthy fats and good fats. Right. And we like to think that we're helping helping lead that revolution as well yeah and that hopefully people realize that even some of the healthy fats in our culture that we're raising awareness that they might not be so the the healthy fats come from nature we say nature doesn't make bad fats factories do so your no. canola oils your seed oils i'm guessing we're not going to see any of those in serenity kids never yeah yeah cancer oils i call those <laughs> yeah pretty much yeah. yeah massive states of inflammation yeah. massively cheap to produce it's and garbage it's, it's literal garbage and they're passing that off as baby food. Like that is just infuriating. Yeah, it's and, terrible. Uh, and formula being the worst because it's so hard to make uh, a formula without industrial seed oil. I mean, at this point, one of the biggest barriers to us getting infant certified is that we refuse to use industrial seed oils. And they just have not recognized olive oil, for instance, as wow. a safe fat for babies, even though yeah. it's been used for you know, thousands of years. What is that? Is that um, supply chain? Is it incentives of just pricing? Like you probably understand it a little bit more as to why it's such a headache to get these things in. Is it just costs? What's what do you think is going on? Well, with infant formula, it's regulation. It's the government. Okay. So it is a multi hundred thousand dollar multi year question mark. You could make this big investment, and if you get somebody at the FDA who disagrees with your science, then it's just a loss. So it's it's a big question mark for us. Like, are we willing to fight that battle, or do we just need to spread the word mm. and em talk to empowered mm. parents who are willing to make those choices? Yeah, the, the Infant Formula Act of 1980 is what governs formula <laughs> today. And that was based on science from the 60s and 70s. Wow. So it's, and it has really not been updated. Europe updates theirs every couple of years. Mm. So that's why European formulas are considered more innovative and- Oh, well, they're way better. A little, and better, right? Cause they have, they can get certified. So, so, we're, so we're really up against this battle. And then that's why we had the formula crisis was because it's so hard to get infant certified that innovative companies like us can't do it. And so it, formulas, overwhelmingly this you know monopoly of a couple massive companies and if one of them cuts a corner and makes a big mistake we have the whole country infants have no food so yeah wow you know it's a real real challenge and but even um but those those you know recipes are essentially corn syrup and and industrial seed oil and i think it's just because they you know it's it's like a, it's like a drug they think of formula it's regulated by the food and drug industries they regulate it like a drug and so for a drug, it's like you want to control every little molecule. And the only way to do that is to make it in a lab. Yeah. And it's something from nature, like olive oil or beef liver, even though our bodies are highly adapted to process that, they don't think that way. They think I want to control it like a drug. Wow. It feels like we're living in the upside down sometimes, right? Okay. You, you mentioned the regulatory agency, the FDA there. And I heard somebody say recently that 
they're called the Food and Drug Administration because if they dictate the food you need to eat, they will control the drugs you need to take. Mm -hmm. And it's such a tragedy um, that that's the case. And I think you're right. You said it's 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 bad. It's toxic. It's borderline. It feels criminal to be giving these children that can't make decisions for themselves. And um, basically, by putting them on the shelf, there's this acknowledgement that they must be safe, right? Because our experts would never harm us or never intentionally harm our children. And you know, there's a lot, there's a lot there, you know, um, yeah. some maybe nefarious intent, but certainly just a willingness to turn a blind eye because it's so profitable or it's just, this is the way it's always been. So this is the way it's always going to go. That's how lobbying works. Mm -hmm. it's, it's really sad. Mm -hmm. So what is required? You said like, we're, we're, we're going to take a stand. We're going to do this. What's required for you guys to continue doing that as you're growing a team? And I'm, it's crazy to think, right? Because when you first have this idea, um, new levels, new devils, you're, you're up against new things now. You, you're, how do you keep just pushing this thing forward? What's required from you as a, as a, 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 you know, a business couple and what's required as you grow the team? What are you really leaning into from that culture perspective in order to just keep growing and going from strength to strength? Yeah, we need to reach a lot more parents. And one of the best ways to do that is parents educating other parents, right? Most moms will ask another mom, mm -hmm. what, what did you feed? What should I do? So the more we can spread the word, the more we can, can get other parents talking about us, uh, helping explain why it's important. Of course, more distribution and having more space in the retailers and more ads and more ways to reach people is going to help that because we've got this very tight window. You know, if they, they feed purees from about six, you know, those first foods at about six months, all the way up until about 18 months before they get enough teeth that they're essentially eating regular food. So it's a very critical development window, very critical palate development window. We've got to get them really early. And, uh, and, and it's, and it's very tough to do with, with what we're up against the largest food companies in the world, although their baby foods are owned by the world's largest mm. food corporations, you know, Nestle owns Gerber, <laughs> you know, Haines Celestial owns Earth's Best. So wow. we've got these massive companies that are, can really outmarket us and can really, uh, dominate the, the narrative and buy more shelf space in the retailers. And so the more we, it's just, it's grassroots, it's moms yep. telling other moms, yep. you know, it's spreading information, it's podcasts, influencers like you telling the, telling the story, yep. helping get the word out there and just pounding the pavement. Yeah. I think the story is is massive, right? When we tell stories, it's inspiring. When you see one mom saying, I did this, and it gives the other mom permission to do it, and it and it spreads like that. Very grassroots movement, I agree. Yeah. What are some of the coolest stories you've seen? What do you get submitted like that? I'm sure you've had some pretty amazing emails to hear from parents. What are some of the cool stories you've had? One of the ones I remember was a foster dad. And he said, I got my son when he was four months old and he had failure to thrive. Mm. He hadn't been putting on weight. And he asked for our baby foods for his Christmas present from his family wow. to feed his new foster son. And he would send us updates and pictures of, um, no, not any face pictures, but pictures of now the diagnosis is gone. My son is growing out of his clothes. I mean, I've adopted him now, right? Like... We get those stories all the time with our formula product. A lot of kids would have had failure to thrive and on regular formula that's just not working for their inflamed bodies, right? And the parents make the switch and they're like, I couldn't be happier. Amazing. I mean, now I, f I know my child is thriving. Like I can tell, like I'm looking at them, I'm weighing them, I'm being with them and they have a completely different attitude and feeling and health. We had a mom tell us our this this wild caught salmon product reversed her kid's autoimmune disorder. Wow! That she the none of the the omega three supplements that she tried were getting absorbed, 
and the being able to eat the the salmon pouch did it like fixed her brain and yeah. you know she was eating multiples a day and that's that was her medicine it's incredible yeah. that points to you know not knocking supplements in any way shape or form and you know we sell supplements but we'd say they're not they're not technically yeah, supplements I they're agree. real food all yeah. like, you know ground up but mm -hmm. that there's something in that the wisdom of the whole food form like the pouch like the entourage effect of everything that's in it instead of trying to isolate just the omega-3s that like eat the fish with the real food i think it's incredibly incredibly powerful yeah. and yeah it's really inspiring Let's say that somebody's listening um, that kind of missed the boat on this a little bit. They that oh man, I wish this I knew about this when I was raising my kid or whatever. Maybe they've got a, a toddler. Do you see people still sneaking this in with toddlers three, four, five? You know, as as snacks and pouches. And on top of that, what would you say are some of the fundamental rules building on this wisdom of how to structure a relatively well-rounded diet for a toddler? Yeah, it's a great question. You know. Um, we have, you know, various flavors of pouches. Our, our dairy-free smoothies are a little more palatable to mm -hmm. an older kid if they're, if they, especially if they like fruit pouches, they have a little bit more of that uh, fruit flavor and they've got grass-fed collagen and coconut milk. So it's That's cool. kind of a good trans and some good vegetables in there. Um, our daughter won't eat much pouches anymore. So we mix the pouch in as yeah. their food. So it's a way to get vegetables or, or meat and to, you know, we mix it into a pancake batter. We mix it into to pasta. Um, you know, you can mix it, you can bake with it. So you're mixing the pouches into things as a way, kind of sneaking it in. I think the, the, the noble protein powders are a good example of ways you can mix in foods that they already like and, and add nutrition. You can actually break open these capsules of yep. yeah, soil and just put it right in chili it. and food. Yeah. And, yeah it, or in a pouch easy. for a baby, if uh, you could mix in the pouch and mm -hmm. squeeze you it in. Uh, you know, so the, but it, it's just about introduction, you know, like every, the, the more you introduce that our daughter kind of goes through phases, she'll say, I don't want to eat steak. And we just keep giving it to her anyway. And then she eats <laughs> it, you know, you just keep putting on her plate yeah. and just continue to offer, offer, offer. It's very easy to get lazy about, yes. you know, lazy is a kind of a strong word for a parent because no parent's lazy, but it's easy to get kind of lax about yeah. just giving them the foods they like because you're, you're desperate for them to eat. So we fall into that trap where she's eating the same couple of foods yeah. all day long. So we may actually made a did made like a list of all the foods that I know that she'll eat and then foods that we'd like her to eat more of. And so when we're mixing her plate, we try to do a couple of foods we know she'll eat that she likes, which we call hero foods. And you awesome. know, one or two new foods, one or two foods that are kind of mediocre and let her choose, you know, kind of take try to take a lot of the pressure away from eating so that she doesn't feel yeah. um, rebellious against eating what we want her to eat, which is also very hard because we have food issues. We all everybody in this yeah. culture has some kind of food issue. So salt. So Healing our own issues with food, our own fears, our own worries, letting her, letting kids have that natural relationship with foods. And we just don't buy junk foods. We just yeah. don't have them in the house. You know, like just, there's just no gluten, there's no sugar, there's no industrial seed oils uh, in the house. So yeah. like if she wants a snack, if she wants to eat, that's just the only choice there is. Mm -hmm. And that really helps us too, because modeling is huge. So we don't eat junk food in front of her and be like, no, you can't have it. She's going to want to eat what she sees us She's eat. Like, what, what are you guys doing? Right. Yeah. So we got to change your own diet. You got to yes. change your own issues with food and um, provide healthy foods over and over and over again. Trust, trust them to eat. And we, you know, of course we talk about it. We talk about the need for protein with sugar, awesome. talk about why things are balanced, where things come from. Oh, she, and she talks about how she doesn't like that rule, mm -hmm. right? I don't like the rule that I need to eat protein before sugar. I'm like, you know, I don't love it either, yeah. but it's our body's rule. Yeah. 
and it's going to be the rule forever. So let's find a way to work with it. Yeah. I had a friend recently and he said this. I was like, that's really good. He's like, I had to learn that the foods I love didn't love me back. Mm-hmm. And that some of these rules we might not love, but they, you know, we, we just got to, we've got to make compromises. Like you said, as a parent, yeah, you were reminded me about sometimes it's not about just removing foods, but how do you um, gamify the process and make it healthier? So my wife makes these amazing chicken nuggets for my son right now. And she mm-hmm. finds regeneratively truly raised chicken ground up. And then she does a little egg wash with epic pork rinds that she blitzes up. And then she fries them in a pastured lard. Wow. Need and that these recipe. are unbelievable. Yeah, like when so he's great. eating those, I'm like, I want to eat that for dinner. Yeah. I just want like a dozen of those chicken nuggets, please. So there's a way you can do it. And and what I'm pointing at here as well is is the snacks because I'm looking at the puffs on the table. Kids are going to want snacks. You said you don't want to completely deprive them. They don't want to be the weird kid that's never allowed anything. But there's a big difference between a rice puff thing that's loaded yeah. with arsenic and nonsense versus right. us then probably popped in a, in a seed oil or something. So like, I think this is really important too, like valuable, healthy, nutrient-dense snacks. What's the story with the puffs? Yeah, we we knew after the pouches that well we we were buying other people's puffs mm. and it was painful. I was like, I need a snack for my kid, but I do not want to buy this garbage. So we started down the route, and those puffs almost didn't launch because we couldn't find. It took us a long time to find a cassava flour mm-hmm. that had heavy metal limits that that actually were acceptable that mm. I was willing to feed my kid. So we knew we wanted a pincer grasp option, right? I mean, there's only so many green peas a kid can eat at that age um, to practice eating. And we knew we wanted to have that option for people. So we actually launched a bone broth puff that is made with cassava flour, freeze-dried bone broth. Um, it's The flavoring on the outside is not flavoring. It's just broccoli powder, mm-hmm. spinach, some onion, some lemon ground up. And one of the things that I really commend our first Whole Foods buyer for, when he tried some of the prototypes, he said, oh, this actually tastes like the name it is on the front. Mm-hmm. It tastes like the vegetable. It actually tastes like broccoli and I can taste the spinach inside. Mm-hmm. And for us, as we're developing products, we really want to make sure we nail that, that we can nail those tastes so that the kids get, like like we said earlier, familiar and comfortable with and used to and starting to like all of those different healthy flavors. But it's a crunchy snack. It dissolves yeah. in the mouth. It um, is... I mean, honestly, it's, of course, the best one out there, but I think they're really good. Yeah. Delightfully addictive. Like, and I just want to keep eating. Kids yeah, can yeah. eat these <laughs> till they're two, three, four. Yes. You know, they're I not necessarily them. a baby food. Yeah. Del and I eat them all the time. She eats them. I'm eating them. Thing. Dogs can eat them. Yeah. Yeah. And they will. <laughs> and they will. <laughs> it gives you such peace of mind as a parent, though, to know that you can have something like that in the backpack. And instead of, you know, if once you become aware of the seed oil story, for example, and then you end up caving to the pressure and giving your kids something, there's a, there's the, the, there's the parent guilt, right? Now to just yeah. have more of these options come in to be able to be like, I can give them the snacky food. I can have the convenience and the health. Like, Thank you. It's It's been needed for so long. And I commend you guys for just seeing the gap in the market and running with it because there's there's always a lot of what ifs. I know someone will do it eventually and we could have waited, but if not you, who? If not now, when? So mm-hmm. it's just really cool to see. It's really inspiring. And I'm I'm bullish on this. I'm behind it. It's, it's, it's amazing. I'm excited to feed my 12-week-old when he starts getting a little bit older, get some of these pouches in there and all of that yeah. stuff. So it's really fun. Um, before I, I let you go and we do the whole tell everybody where they can keep up and everything, we do have a question that was submitted through our Instagram audience. So we'll have that read by our producer and then we'll uh, riff on that a little bit and then Great. we'll close this thing up. Cool. Sweet. So this question comes from Instagram. 
at always.eating. If honey <laughs> is good, why is it bad for babies? There's a myth that honey, because it's a raw food, has risks from a, I think it's a botulism perspective, some kind of bacteria, and that kids under one can't possibly have an immune system that could support that. Mm -hmm. So that's, I think, where it comes from. Um, whether it's actually bad for babies, I pro it's probably not, mm -hmm. you know? Um, same thing with raw milk, same thing right. with sushi, same thing with cured meats. There's all these things that are like, they just, there's this tiniest risk that it has this pathogen and of course babies immune systems can't can't support it so for us it's like you know if uh, eating whole foods they're eating good their immune system is probably pretty strong the risk of the of the contaminants so low that the benefit of the right. nutrient dense food and introducing it is so much greater than this than the small risk so of course every parent needs to make that choice for yeah. themselves and they can decide but there's so much fear mongering you know, that really serves the pharmaceutical industry to, to, to fear monger, say you should be afraid of all these things and then you should, you know, buy these these treatments and drugs from us to protect yourself and you should avoid all these foods. And, and there's so, you know, parenting is like the most intuitive yeah. thing ever. I mean, we are wired to have babies, to raise babies, to, for baby survivors. The only reason we're here is because we yeah. figured out a way and very harsh conditions to keep babies alive and to have them thrive. So if we can just trust our intuition with uh with our babies with our own bodies that that's really the key like Della w uh, unexpectedly weaned herself at nine months old and mm. it was tragic mm. for me I mean I, cr I cried for days but then I started feeding her raw goat milk mm. because I knew I wanted that those all the goodness that comes with the raw product and it was a risk that we were willing to take and now we have a very healthy child yeah, it makes so much sense to me. And I'm glad you mentioned the raw milk too, because it's something that we've done in our family and we trust in the natural goodness of this. And like we rewind back to the beginning of the conversation where you guys got handed one of the books that changed my life too, The Primal Blueprint by Mark Sisson. And the one takeaway from that was this just makes sense. Mm -hmm. And it kind of makes sense to me that foods that are health promoting and come from nature, whilst everything carries risk is essentially everything. But how could honey or something like some well-sourced raw milk be more dangerous than these junky baby food formulas that we're willing to feed yeah, our kids? Exactly. Yeah, so everybody's got to make their own decisions, but I think I think we've got a good crowd here of people that are going to be okay with a little bit of honey or a little bit of raw milk, mm -hmm. just choose wisely. So thank you guys so much for your wisdom and your insights and what you're doing. I think um, it sounds cliche, but it's a literal truth that children are the future, right? Yes. And we have to do better. We have to. It's it's. There's no room for compromise in that area anymore. Um, we're getting sicker. We're getting worse off. We're getting fatter. We're getting weaker. We're getting more stuck in a victim mindset. And we need people that are willing to say no enough of that so yeah floor is yours for closing messages anything that you know is is coming that you're excited about or just pointing people in the right direction of where they can go and keep up with you folks yeah um I think having kids is the the greatest opportunity for spiritual growth of any of anything. It's the most Amen. disruptive thing in a, an adult's life, and also the greatest opportunity for for growth in ourselves. And approaching approaching our kids moment by moment is it's super hard. There's lots of challenges, lots of unknowns, there's lots of fears. Enormous joy, enormous pleasure, enormous fulfillment, and you know, food is a, is a key way that we relate to each other, to the natural world and to our kids. And so 
you know, sometimes we can think of we're putting too much effort into it or too much or worrying about it too much. Uh, but ultimately, it's a it's a very important thing to think about. And we hope that we're making just that a little bit easier. We're making it a little easier for you to for for parents to know what's good and 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 not have to make it all themselves. Have not have to compromise for that convenience um, that is a that is a part of our world and and not have to feel guilty and re- reduce some of that parent guilt and shame. We're all wired to be parents. We're all doing a great job. You're doing a great yes. job. So if you're listening to this, you're above and beyond great, right? Yeah. Thinking about that. So know that you're doing an awesome job and that your kids are super resilient. They're they're going to turn out great and uh, they're the future. We're gonna we're gonna change the world. So you can you can find our products. Um, our website is myserenitykids.com. You can find everything there. Also, our the the best discounts are through our subscription program. Mm-hmm. You can set it and forget it there. Uh, we are on Amazon as well, and then at pretty much every major retailer, you can find some various assortment. Whole Foods carries all of our products. So natural food stores have a little bit more of them, but Target, Walmart, Kroger, soon to be Albertson Safeway. So you check us out. Beautifully said, beautifully said. I think you're right. Parenting can be hard enough as it is. So the fact that you're making it easier and relieving that from uh, the, the the rigmarole that comes with the ceremony of parenthood is very appreciated from us folks that get to enjoy these products. So thank you so much. Yeah. Go check them out. Serenity Kid Food. Go feed your family these nutrient-dense foods and we'll see you on the show next week. Peace out. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thanks. All right, friends. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Radical Health Radio. We got a fresh new podcast for you every Wednesday. If you enjoyed the show, consider liking, subscribing, reviewing, and rating us on your podcast platform. It helps to spread this message of radical health. We'll see you next week.